The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Yes, welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad that you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and addiction recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth and your own recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. And be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show is titled, God as We Understand God. For some of us new to recovery, the whole God thing can be a real barrier. We may be carrying old ideas of God that don't make sense to us. We may not realize that we don't need to accept someone else's understanding of God. We can find our own. In fact, we don't even have to use the word God if we don't want to. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on making peace with the whole God thing on our own terms. So we want to share with you today what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with the spiritual tool or principle that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope you'll find something in our experience that'll be helpful to you in your own recovery. So today, we're going to be talking about moving from that resistance to the idea of God or to a higher power to a place of peace, and it's through that principle of uh, coming to believe in a power higher than ourselves and a, a God of our own understanding. So when I think about my own resistance to the God thing or to church stuff, the first thing that comes to mind is, this is almost a quote, church people are weird. I always thought church people were weird. And weird, weird is bad? <laughs> well, hang on. I get to redefine it. Church people were weird, and so that was off-putting to me. And, you know, and I don't even know I can put my finger on why exactly. It was just I was just uncomfortable. I'm thinking about when I was a kid, you know, middle school, high school, or whatever. Church people are weird. And then I discovered unity church people. And I'm like, I like these weird people. They're weird like me. Um, and so, I mean, it still applies. But I guess what I'm saying there is that I, just, I really did not feel a strong um, affinity for what whatever it is that, that people were talking about. You know, they had this sort of invisible friend and solving problems that I didn't even see the problem, let alone yeah. understand why it needed a solution. And when I, when it was explained, it honestly didn't make any sense to me at all. You know, stuff about the, that sort of doctrine of original sin, which is not really, I mean, it's, it's an interpretation of the Bible. It's not in the Bible as such, right? It's an interpretation of what is there. You know, I'm just like, I just don't see this. Yeah, I see a troubled world, but this doesn't make sense to me. Right. But again, 
you know, when I, when I walked into a unity church for the first time, uh, the ways that I heard some of the same things talked about did make a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden I, you know, I found my weird church people that worked for me, but, uh, my initial experiences when I was younger of just the whole church thing was, you know, whatever, man, I don't got it. This is weird. I don't get it. I don't need this. So you weren't taken to church as a child or? Well, I was, and you that's were... where I thought that people were weird. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was me that was weird. Uh, well, I grew up in a very strange thing where my parents were divorced. And ironically, my parents had met in the Christian church in college, like a college Christian, you know, campus Christian organization or whatever. But um, after that point, by the time that they had me, my father was growing more conservative in Christianity and my mother was abandoning Christianity. And so I grew up sort of in between those two and spending, you know, every other weekend with my dad and being taken to um, church and getting all of this, not, I wouldn't say fundamentalist, but fairly conservative, you know, theology and such. And then, you know, living the rest of the time with my mom and who was actively um, abandoning that. So quite confusing for me as a young person, but I had the same experience as you where um, a lot of it didn't make sense to me. Like it just intuitively didn't make sense, you know? And so by the time I was old enough to, you know, a teenager or young adult, I was actively rejecting it. I just didn't, you know, if I wasn't going to be taken there, I certainly wasn't going to go there on my own. And um, pretty much had abandoned the idea of God altogether and was uh, actively identifying myself as either an atheist or agnostic or something like that. I wasn't really sure. It just wasn't even really that much on my radar. I was becoming what I thought was, you know, this like intellectual person that didn't need um, religion. And I had, uh, you know, I had a close friend in high school and a close friend in college who were both very religious. And I respected them, you know, I, I, they were my close friends, but I didn't get it at all. I was like, I felt like you, like this stuff's weird. (laughs) Yeah, it didn't make any sense. No. I realized later that part of my struggle with it, I guess, or my disconnect was that, you know, I was being told someone else's understanding of God. Yes. And nowhere in there was anything about discovering my own understanding of God. Right. And, and, and what was most troubling is I've, I've heard, I was being told that I needed to have a personal relationship with Jesus, whatever right. that means. Right. But then I felt like someone was also defining exactly what that relationship needed to look like. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not a personal relationship. That's your relationship. It just literally made no sense what they were saying. And that's, you know, being, being uh, shown or taught or, you know, the, 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 the God concept that I was hearing about uh, was definitely someone else's understanding and was not resonating with me. You know, I am, we, you and I have talked many times. We are, we like to say we are team Jesus and yes. I use the word God all the time. And I uh, reference the Bible every single Sunday, mm-hmm. um, especially uh, the gospels. Mm-hmm. 
But when I'm doing that, I'm not saying the same things that I was hearing then. Right. Uh, you know, I'm I am sharing a sort of a, a deeply personal experience, not just a relationship, but experience yeah. of the divine that I see Jesus reflecting also. Mm-hmm. That's my connection. You know, that's yeah. where I can feel like, okay, I kind of get this. Yeah. And again, we're an experiential path. You know, we're not doctrine oriented as much as um, experience oriented around around unity. I think that was part of my resistance to um, the church of my youth was that no one ever asked me what I thought. There didn't seem to be any exploration or it was just believe this, say these words and you'll be good, you know, and um, as a young person, that didn't make sense to me. Like, like I say, no one ever asked me whether I believed any of it or whether I wanted to even be involved. It was just like, this is what you do. This is what you say. And, and so maybe because I've always been, you know, very independent, you know, a a free thinker or whatever that, you know, had, had they at least asked me what I thought about any of it might've engaged me more. Um, but I definitely, it was definitely a check your mind at the door, repeat these statements, believe these things kind of thing. And, um, I also remember being baffled by this personal relationship with Jesus that so many people claim to have, I could not figure out what they were talking about. Now I do understand it today and thank God I've been able to completely remake that whole understanding in that relationship but at the time I kept thinking what am I missing (laughs) what what are they talking about because you know and it's not even that all of the concepts were so bad it had a lot to do with the way it was presented you know it just was not you know we talk a lot about we're going to be talking a lot about today the god of our own understanding and that was just not part of the equation there was no like how do you understand god how do you experience god it was just this is what god is this is what you say check the boxes and you'll be good and ironically i pretty much have what i think they were talking about but i don't use those phrases and language to talk about it because I don't find it helpful. It doesn't mean much to me. The way that it was presented still doesn't mean anything to me. Although um, if I were to walk into a, a, you know, main mainline Protestant church, and if someone were to ask me, am I saved? I would just say, yes, I know what that means. I can have a short, medium, or a very long conversation about that about that experience, what it means to me, etc. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with the language because I translate the language into um, you know, myth, the 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 way of seeing of of the mystic or right. the way of kind of some new thought ways of seeing it. Yeah. I have no trouble with that. You know, if someone says something about saved by the blood of Jesus, I understand what they're saying. Yeah. It doesn't offend me. I get right. it. Now, maybe they are being literal. So what? What is that to me? Why do I care right. if they're um, being literal about it? I mean, what am I going to do? Like look down my nose at them and right. shut them out and refuse to engage them and go tell my friends how dumb they are or whatever? Yeah, that's, no, the, that's not that's very... the exact opposite right. of what I understand I am to do in this world. If I'm If I'm so... Um, you know, light filled and oneness and all that, you'd think that I could at least 
engage others in a respectful manner, which I can. Yes, I do the same thing. I, um, you know, and we, we talk about this a lot. We were talking about it before the show, you know, in unity, there's a lot of folks who are in active resistance to the church that they grew up in. And so they've rejected all of it and sort of thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Um, I think I did go through a period of that, but I've been in unity a long time. Maybe that's part of the difference too. Um, I probably did that initially, but there's been a, a coming back together where um i no longer am in reaction or re- actively rejecting i i can go to a christian a, a you know mainline protestant service or even a catholic service i went to a catholic wedding the other day that had a full mass and i thought it was beautiful and i'm so grateful that my heart has been opened and my eyes have been opened that i can i can do that translating in my head you know and and also who am i to assume that i know what that priest what that priest's consciousness is or how you know he's simply operating in a different framework than i am with a different you know different language and such but um yeah there's there's different there's different ways to uh, describe that. That's what we're going to be talking about today is that it's the God of our own understanding. And I think what we're both basically saying is when we were told what God to believe in, we rejected it. When we found recovery and a church like unity that said, you can conceive of God in your own mind, then that was okay with us. And that really um, attracted us. I know that really attracted me to unity, you know? Yeah, exactly. And again, you know, there is a, long and ancient tradition of christian mysticism yes going back to day one and it's always been there and and there's always been an orthodoxy also which Mm -hmm. is not the same thing exactly though of course it shares a framework and a language Um, but the the approach and the understanding and experience are quite different and um it makes i i'm going to try and say kind of what i was hearing you say in that once I sort of got tapped into the mystic tradition part, which is not what I was hearing, I was hearing orthodox part. Yeah. Um, once I once I started hearing the the mystical tradition threads, all of a sudden it did make a lot of sense and it did draw me in. And there is a place for me yeah. in the Christian tradition, just like yeah. there's a place for Richard Rohr. Yes, you know, I was, was just going to mention him. Priest, in the mystic tradition and so when he talks about um anything to do with uh, you know jesus god bible or whatever i'm with i'm nodding my head up and down and some of us in unity might say oh he's he's preaching unity no he's preaching old school christian mysticism this has been around far longer than unity has i think we have something really important and powerful to offer in this conversation though so that's why we're here right to mix it all in actually we've talked a lot about this challenge of resistance it's time to move out of the problem and into the solution as we know we always do so what is the solution Well, in unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles, and we know that these principles are in play regardless of what our concept of a higher power may be or not be. If an idea is an actual spiritual truth, then it should be universal. It should apply across all perspectives. And this frees us up to turn within and to seek an understanding of a higher power that does work for us, regardless of what others may be doing or not doing. 
And that power to choose that own understanding of our higher power is what we want to focus on today. But, and I've heard people ask this, does this mean I can decide that a banana peel is my higher power? Well, yeah, it kind of does. But we also allow our conception to grow and to change as we do. So what was a banana peel might morph into something else entirely. And the principle is always in play. More will be revealed as we walk the path. So Michelle, when you think about um, all of this, what comes to mind for you? Higher power. Yes. Wow. This is such a big topic. Um, So the first thing that I think of is that uh, a God concept is never static, right? It's not like we're going to find our God, nail it down, lock it in, and that's it. You know, if we are really on a spiritual path and we're doing spiritual work, then our concept of God should always be dynamic. It should always be shifting and changing, but hopefully it should be expanding, right? So initially we might put God in a very small box, you know, and then as we explore and as we grow spiritually, that that concept of God grows and it becomes more and more expansive until ultimately, you know, like our first principle in unity says, we see God in everyone and in everything. And that's really what, you know, we believe in unity is that God is everywhere present, um, that everything we see around us, in fact, the universe itself is an expression of God, is that God in expression. But it's rare for us to start from that place, right? We have to start from where we are. So um, if God for you is a banana peel, (laughs) that's fine. You know, we joke in 12 step about, you know, a doorknob or whatever. And I always tell the story about how when I didn't have a God concept, and I asked my sponsor what you know, how I was supposed to do these steps that required a belief in God. And she said to borrow her higher power until I had not until, yeah, until I had my own. So the assumption was that I would have my own. Right. And so um, it didn't take, I didn't have to borrow hers for very long. It's kind of like, I believe that God is, um, God is, is seeking us at all times, right? God is seeking our awareness. And so um, as soon as we open up that possibility, my experience was that God came rushing in. Now, the God that I understood back then at the beginning of recovery is very different than the God that I understand now. But it didn't take long for that God to begin to reveal itself to me because I, I feel like it's always wanting to reveal itself. And so as soon as we crack that door open, boom, it just comes rushing in. That was my experience. Um, And of course, it has grown and changed so much over time. And that's the wonderful thing about this is that we leave room for that. In fact, that's what we expect. That's what we want. Yeah. And and even though in a way, in the unity tradition, um, you know, the the Fillmore's clearly struggled with uh, the concept of a capricious God. Right. Right. And they rightly so. Uh, found an understanding of God that's not capricious, which I think is a huge step in the right direction, because I don't believe that God is capricious. And their solution to that was, well, God is principle, you know, unchanging principle, like mathematics does not change, right? It is is what it is. And, uh, but what does change is my lens, 
right? I, Even if they completely accept that God is immutable and unchanging, um, my lens is changing because my lens is, you know, my my consciousness. How could it not change? And so, yeah, that's how even if I'm carrying the concept of an unchanging God, how can my, you know, how can my God concept change? Because I'm not, I'm viewing it through something that is not immutable, right? It's, right. it's changes as I grow and move. One definition I like or have heard is God as first mover, right? Mm-hmm. Or first cause, mm-hmm. which came from Thomas Aquinas, I think. <clears throat> and also I've learned that, um, you know, if you recall Genesis 1, the opening of Genesis 1 is in the beginning, God, right? Mm-hmm. God created or when God created. What's notable about that that I didn't know is that all the other um, traditions of the ancient Near East had a backstory about where God came from. Mm. Right? The Hebrews were different. They didn't have a, a place where God came from. Where was God born? Where did God come from? All the other traditions have that. Um, the ancient Hebrews did not have that. They began in the beginning God. So it was very clear and absolute. And I find that helpful, actually. In a way, it it, uh, if God is principle, then that principle has existed since, you know, the beginning of the Big Bang, say, or whatever it is, the beginning of existence might be defined as. So I find that compatible with our way. Or even before the Big Bang, right? I mean, that would be kind of the idea of that first cause is that even before, yeah, I know we can get, we can spin off on that, but whatever caused that, right? In whatever beginning, caused God that created and maybe God created it using what we call the Big Bang. Who knows? Yeah. I'm not saying that's true. I'm saying that we right. to see it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this brings me to the idea that um, as, as big as we can possibly make our God concept, it's always going to be too small, right? Because we're coming at it from our human mind. So the intellect can never fully comprehend the vastness of God because it's, it's incompatible, the intellect, the mind. Now we can have experiences of God. We might have a mystical experience. We might experience God in nature. We might experience God in meditation or in, in a loving relationship with someone, with a pet, whatever it is. Um, But that's not intellectual, right? That's experiential. So that's where we run into problems is, um, you know, our very best descriptions of God are only actually pointing at what God is. And a lot of the mystics say this too. So as long as we know that, and as long as we know that we're never with human language and human rational thought going to capture the fullness of God, that sort of gets us off the hook. And we can say, yeah, this is my, this is, this is my biggest concept of God that I can muster today, but I know it's not the totality of God because God is even more than that. That's helpful to me to think that way. Um, And I also believe that God reveals itself differently to different folks. It makes sense, right? We're all having a different human experience. We all have a different framework, different uh, understandings of things. And so we are each act, we are each make making God in our own image, right? It's impossible not to, because we're human. We're currently inhabiting a human body and with a human mind. So, you know, I always imagine that, um, you know, give me an animal birds, you know, birds conceive of God as, as a bird, as you know, this giant bird and, and cats 
cats are seeing this big, you know, Egyptian statue of a cat and that's their God. I mean, it makes sense, right? That our concept of God is going to look like us as long as we understand that that's not the totality of it, that that's, that's um, sometimes is our best, that's the, that's the best we can do at that point. You know, so many religions have um, visual representations of God. I'm thinking of like Krishna or Buddha or, you know, these various, um, our Judeo-Christian tradition does not because it was specifically prohibited, but many traditions do. And um, that's okay because it gives us something visual to focus on. But we know that God is always going to be bigger than whatever we can conceive of. It reminds me of, and I find this very helpful, the, the very first sentence in the Tao Te Ching, right? The, the Chinese wisdom it says the Tao that can be spoken is not the eternal Tao. Like right out of the gate, they're yep. saying, if you can name it, that's not it. Yep. Don't forget, never forget that your words are signposts, Yep. right? And even experiences, which are at least can be wordless, are closer. I'm, I would hesitate to say that that is even the eternal right. spirit, whatever that. Right. You know, whatever that might be. I do like some of the things, you know, you, you mentioned the the almost the cliched doorknob God, though I do think that those um, concepts can be very helpful. And a couple others that I've heard that I have found helpful is uh, God, an understanding of God is good orderly direction, right? G-O-D, good mm. orderly direction, or even group of drunks, <laughs> group of drunks, because um for many of us, just showing up and being part of the community is enough of a sort of spiritual experience to open the door, and we can just keep walking that path. I know many uh, people in recovery that that say that the you know that the group is my church, and they'll have like a Sunday 11 a.m. book study or something, and because it's Sunday at 11, and I am living in the South. Uh, it has a different tone. Yeah. It has a more reverential tone. Reverential. It's not a church. It doesn't have a theology, um, but it does have that feel. And people say that that is my church. But let's hold that thought because it is time for a short break, right? And when we come back, we will continue the conversation. We hope that you will stay with us. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Yes, welcome back. We are glad that you are with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, and I'm here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. 
Well, prior to the break, we began by discussing our resistance to a God concept that we experienced early on. And then we moved into talking about what is this uh, higher power of our own understanding. So now we're going to talk about how coming to believe in a higher power of our own choosing has helped us to move out of that resistance and into peace. The first thing that comes to mind, and I have to say that at first, this was not helpful to me, is that saying, let go, let God. Uh-huh. Like, that does not help me when I'm struggling with, uh, you know, uh, finding a concept of a higher power that works for me. Because I just was like, let go and let, you know, whatever. What? <laughs> but here's something that did help me. You know, we we have we love our acronyms in recovery, and one of them is how. Like, how does this work? H O W stands for honest, open minded, and willing. And I found that if I was uh, willing to show up in that way and to approach recovery in in a way where I was being as honest, you know, as honest as I could, given what I knew at the time. Um, keeping my mind open to new ideas, which is mostly listening to people without judgment. That's all being open-minded means to me is just hearing what someone is saying without the need to assess it, right. Or define it or classify it. And um, to do those things, I need to be willing. So those to me were like practical steps that I could get. And I found that by doing those things, it seemed like all of a sudden I got some clarity around what a higher power might be. Maybe just from listening to what other people were saying, maybe from practicing uh, non-resistance, basically, you know, when I say open-minded is just to hear what people are saying without assessing it. That's non-resistant. I'm not resisting what they're saying. I'm just noting, Oh, so-and-so said this far out, you know, and let it, let it be, just that that perhaps that that sort of create created an opening in me where a concept of a higher power that did work for me began to come in and i certainly uh have always appreciated um the unity core concept from the fillmore especially from mr fillmore that god is principle and again that was mr fillmore's solution to the problem of a capricious god Mm-hmm. in the um, kind of the orthodox tradition now there is more than one way to have a god that's not capricious all right god's principle is a way not mm-hmm. the way and i like to think that we can go back to the core issue which is a god that's not capricious and be open to uh, any such concepts of which god's principle is one and i find it very very helpful it's kind of easy to grasp. God is the same to everyone always. God is everywhere always and does yeah. not, um, you know, respond to or, or react to or mix with or whatever different people differently. God doesn't yeah. like me and not like you. Right. God doesn't love you, but doesn't love me. You know, none, right. of, none of that. God doesn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed and throw a lightning bolt at me because God is annoyed. That, that's what humans do that's not what god does god doesn't cause my football team to win over yours because my people prayed harder right yeah gravity doesn't love the ballerina because the ballerina is so grateful 
and hate right. the one that fell and broke their leg. Gravity yeah. is the same for everyone, right. everywhere, all the time. So, you know, as much as I love Charles Fillmore and obviously am deeply indebted to this movement that he helped to co-found, because we know that Myrtle had a lot to do with it also, um, I find some of his writings a tad obscure and have had a lot better experience with um, reading Emily Cady and Lessons in Truth, which Emily Cady uh, was a, you know, the 19th century woman way ahead of her time and the Fillmore's asked her to do a series of writings that would sort of um, create what would become the foundational unity principles and it was put together in a wonderful book called Lessons in Truth. So that book Lessons in Truth has helped me tremendously in forming and evolving this God concept and I just bring this up because of what you said because she talks about Okay, so the problem is a capricious God, which the which Charles Fillmore solved by coming up with this goddess principle. But then that creates a new problem, which is this un, impersonal, unfeeling God that we have right. trouble relating to. Which so, is also not God. Right. In my view. Not in and of itself. Right. Principle gets part of it, not all of it. Exactly. And so, you know, again, back to this idea that, you know, humans can at best point at God, but we're always going to be only fractioning out a portion of what God truly is. But uh, Emily Cady talks a lot in Lessons in Truth about, you know, moving into this understanding of God as immutable principle does not mean we have to give up the idea of a personal loving God, um, because God is that too. And so she talks about that a lot. And I really like that, that it doesn't mean that we can't, um, that we can't have a personal relationship with whatever this principle thing is. It's, it's that too. It's both personal and impersonal. It's both transcendent and imminent and probably a whole bunch of other words that I don't even know, or that humans can't even conceive of. So, um, because that, you know, she talks about the, that experience of like, oh, if I'm going to believe in this God as principle, does that mean that I can't have a loving relationship with God? And she says, no, that's part of it, too. It is that, too, all of that. And so because I've had that experience many times, you know, are you saying that? So you're right. There's more than one way to have a non-capricious God. Yes. You know, that. just because I have a personal ex- relationship with God does not mean that God is capricious or that God does my bidding or anything okay. like that. But human beings are relational beings. I believe that's a big purpose of why we're even here in the first place is to be in relationship with one another. And um, the relationship with God is um, important. Uh, you know, again, Richard Rohr, who, who we both love, um, talks a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot about that relational aspect of God. And I believe he has a very high expansive God concept. I don't believe he believes in a capricious God, but um, it does not exclude a relational experience of God. So that could possibly be helpful to someone. <sighs> what else do I want to say about that? I kind of went off on that a little bit. Let me um, jump in because I, yeah, I go have for something it. that I found very helpful. Yeah. Again, early on, and, and it's such a simple thing. And, I, and anytime I talk about this, I'm always amazed how it almost seems like nothing, yet it's such a powerful way to begin. And, and what I'm thinking of is setting 
an intention, Mm. right? Setting an intention seems almost like a throwaway thing. I set an intention. How do I do that? Well, I do it inside my own consciousness. So nothing changes around me. You can't tell that I set an intention. I can't prove that I set an intention. It's this very ethereal, wispy sort of thing, but yet it's extraordinarily powerful because I believe that when we set an intention, it kind of sets into motion, um, you know, forces that I don't understand that I can't really see that maybe perhaps deep in my consciousness are helping to um, guide me along the way to realizing whatever that intention is. And so if I set an intention of having an experience of a higher power, that alone, I believe eventually, if I continue to be honest, open-minded and willing, if I've set an intention of discovering at least what for me um, works as a higher power, then I absolutely will find it. And like we've been saying, that doesn't mean that it won't change. I don't need it to not change. I just need something that works. And I expect it to change as I change. How can a relationship not change if one of the parties in it is growing and changing? Exactly. It's not possible. It has to change because I'm changing. And that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So if we look at our steps, you know, this coming to believe in a power greater than ourselves comes in our second step. So we basically cannot advance from there until we have some understanding of God. But we don't want to sit there for years and years while we evolve this concept of God, right? We've got to sort of get fairly quickly get some working understanding of what God is so that we can begin to use it, really. And and we use it right away, wham, bam, you know, in the third step, we've just found this thing. And now we're going to turn our entire will and our lives over to it. So I think my experience was sort of a little bit maybe the opposite of yours. Um, I had just enough of a God concept that I could go ahead and take that third step, which I did. And then I began to experience God after having taken that step, if that makes sense. So first I took the action of turning my life over to this, whatever, I don't even remember what I conceived of God as that, at that point. Um, but as soon as I did that, God started to reveal itself to me. So God revealed itself, you know, right first, when I first did it, it was, you know, whatever, turning my will and my life over, um, turning over my addiction to alcohol, turning over my uh, struggles in relationships, turning over, you know, job interviews, all of these things that I was doing at that point, um, I was practicing turning each and every one of them over to God, rather than trying to run the show myself and control the outcome of everything myself. And what I experienced when I did that was that God came rushing in. So that, that was my experience. When I turned over my will in my life to God, that's when God showed up in a very big way because I suddenly felt like I had something on board with me and I wasn't alone. And there was this power that was helping me in my daily life, helping me on my spiritual path, helping me make decisions. Um, And it became very, it became very palpable, a palpable presence for me. So that that's just the way it was for me. Another thing that helped me was when people said, you know, if you want to, you want to have a God, you want to get this, you know, relationship with God, start looking around and seeing God in everything. Like you said, setting the intention to see God 
as soon as we say, I'm going to see God in the world today, we will start to see God, you know, and for me, nature, especially, um, I can really see God at work in the natural world. I can see God at work in other people, you know, the way serendipitous things, the way things show up just when I need them. Um, People say things to me that help me, you know, I hear something in a meeting that just helps me with the very thing I was struggling with. That is the way that God began to show up for me. I'm reminded of that um, piece of wisdom that says that which you are seeking is seeking you. Yes, Rumi. That's what I heard. That's what came to mind as you shared that, uh, you know, using the, the guidance of the third step prayer at that moment, all of a sudden it seemed that God showed up because you, it sounds like became willing and open and Look, there, there, there you have it. There it was. And I see this reflected in the prophet Jeremiah, um, in, in at least that writer's God concept characterization, if you will, of uh, God's wish being to, you know, have people be God's people and God be their God, you know, to be in a sort of a connected relationship with. And even there are a couple parables of Jesus that, um, model this idea that that which you seek is seeking you you know the kingdom of heaven is not just something or the kingdom of god rather is not just something that uh, we are seeking it is seeking us mm-hmm. also and that's reflected in at least one parable of jesus so i i appreciate that about it one god concept that helped me a lot and and you know our working question is how did a higher power of my understanding help me move from resistance to peace it just did i mean i I, guess i'd rewrite that i don't know how that helped all i know is that when i became open to it it started resistance started to melt away and peace began to come up in its place and Mm -hmm. so just finding a higher power that works even for just now um was sufficient to begin to bring peace into my experience I still love this. This is, you know, this is uh, sort of a new agey, woo-woo kind of God definition that I think really works for me. And it's God is a field of infinite possibility. Mm-hmm. That I can affirm. Very Deepak like Chopra. Say, you know, do you, you, can, you, can you name me the chapter and verse where Jesus said that God is a field of infinite possibility? It's mm. Matthew nineteen twenty six. Of oh. course, uh, Jesus didn't have the crazy wisdom bookstore to go to to see that on the wall. So what Jesus said was, "With God, all things are possible. Yep. All, hence the infinite possible, the possibility, infinite possibility. Yep. God is a field of infinite possibility. I find that super affirming, life affirming, helpful, supportive of me on my path." Um, uplifting, you know, all, all kinds of things that assist me in letting go of that which no longer serves me and carrying forward that which does, which is in a sense what we're what we're doing here. Yeah, I love that quote that I think it's Rumi that that which you are seeking is seeking you. And I truly believe that that God is always seeking to express through us, to be made known to us, not as a person or an anthropomorphic God, but as this power, this one presence and one power, it is always seeking expression, seeking greater expression. And so um, 
this idea that God is always seeking us, that I was the one who was standing in the way. It was my act of resistance to God that was keeping God at bay. It's not that God, you know, I use the words God showed up, but God was really there all along. Um, It was my awareness of God that was lacking. And I believe Richard Rohr also said that too, or says that, that the presence of God is everywhere. It's not that the, it's not that we, enter into the presence of God. These, this is just our language because we don't know any other way to say it, but we enter into it by becoming aware of that, which is always there all the time, always around us. It's our awareness of it that is lacking. So once we set that intention and we open our awareness, take the blinders off, so to speak, then there is God all around us. So that was really, uh, it's really a better way to, um, to describe my experience as it was removing that act of resistance. And then there God was, and God had been there all along. And the way that helped me move into peace was what I've already said. You know, I, I was going through life feeling very alone and that I had to make things happen. I had to figure things out myself. All of a sudden I had this power of the universe on my side. Now that doesn't mean that I get everything I want or that, you know, everything that, I want to happen turns out the way I want it to. Not at all. It means that I have this presence that accompanies me in all things. So things, when things were hard, as they have frequently been in my life over the years, I wasn't alone in those things. I had, I had this uh, relationship with God, this, this strength and this power that I could turn to and that I, I very quickly found helped me in all things, really helped me in all things. It was a guidance and a companionship and a, and a help. What is it? A help in present, a present help in trouble or times of need or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Always present. Yeah. I got busted once by my minister long before I got on a ministry path. I was going to lead a workshop and he asked me to explain what I was going to do. I said, well, you know, we'll do an opening prayer to, you know, bring the spirit into the room. He said, hang on, stop right there. (laughs) You might bring an increased awareness of the spirit, but the spirit is there. And I thought, okay, good. Thank you. I was embarrassed. (laughs) I got totally busted, but he was right. And that really stuck with me. Because that's what part of what you're saying and what yeah. Richard was sharing, Richard Rohr saying, God, John Cobb, the theologian, says God is everywhere always. I love that because it's so short and to the point. God is everywhere always. But my consciousness is not always in tune with that. Right. So it's my God awareness that changes, right? Just like you said, when you use the third step prayer, it was your consciousness that shifted. And all of a sudden, God came rushing into your experience. Though God was always available, right? And God is always available to me and to all of us all the time. And I also can echo some of your experience where, I mean, it's it's been downright spooky at times, Um, sort of the reliability of the guidance that I feel that I can seek and find within myself, Um, even though it's not like a, you know, a billboard, a signpost or a it's not like an email or a fax or whatever. It's a it's a wordless instinct that shows me the sparkly path that I should follow moving forward. And yeah. not always for the reasons that I think. Right. right? That's the other oh, part yeah. of it. I may go in um, seeking guidance with an intention, and I may I may receive a clear understanding of guidance 
that is what I need to do and may or may not lead to where I think I, I want to go. That's the part of staying open. And you've shared about that a lot yeah. before too. Yeah. Uh, God is full of surprises. It's that field of infinite possibilities, you know, yeah. which God is and which my mind is not. My mind is a field right. of very limited possibilities, right. you know, very, very limited scope of vision of what I think is possible, what I think can happen. I limit my own self all the time with my human mind. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, I never hold out a big enough cup. I never conceive of a big enough dream. Everything I aim for is always much too low. So that's why I'm always seeking that guidance. This is what I think I want. This is where I think I'm going. But perhaps God, the universe, that one presence, one power has a much bigger, not perhaps, that one presence and one power always has a much bigger idea. Um, because they're divine ideas. By right? definition. Yeah, I have human ideas and God has divine yeah. ideas. So I can have access to those divine ideas and I can allow myself to be guided to step into more of those divine ideas. And that's the way that guidance works for me. And once that happens, all of a sudden resistance melts and peace seemingly takes its place by some mechanism that I don't even really understand. Yeah. So just by being open uh, like we're sharing today, allowing experiences to unfold, allowing, uh, you know, it to be enough for today, right? Don't we say that? Let it be enough for today. Yeah. Well, we said a lot about this topic, so let's step way back if we can and see if we can find a concise way to sum it up. We'll put the spotlight on Reverend Michelle and say, if someone came up to you and said, how would I go about finding God of my own understanding? I really think it's all a bunch of bunk. <laughs> And if, if there, anyone in recovery I know would use a different word. Yeah, right. Get where this is going. How might you be of assistance to that? So, I mean, you know, there's so many aspects to the spiritual path. We read spiritual materials. We talk to other people who have more spiritual experience. We get their perspectives. Um, we might attend church services, you know, all of these things begin to expand our the possible the idea of what's possible in our mind, then we have to step into experience. Um, God is experiential. And I guarantee that if you are wanting to experience God, and you set an intention to experience God, and you set aside some quiet, uninterrupted time, that God will show up in some way for you. Um, and it's not going to be a big, you know, God doesn't show up with neon lights and billboards and stuff. God can be much, can, but God can be much subtler than that. It can be a very gentle nudging, a, a, a knowing, a peace that comes over you, an idea that all is going to be well, whatever happens, I will be okay. To me, that's the experience of God. So learn everything you can, read books, all of that. But when it comes down to it, Spend time in prayer and in quiet and let that God reveal itself to you. Yeah, let it unfold. My thoughts were to turn within, which is a weird phrase, but I trust if you're listening, you know what that means. Basically, practice a mindfulness meditation. Let that, it could be as simple as that. Turn within, be open. We talked a lot about that being open to possibility, open minded. Set an intention, just like you just said. Set an intention of having an experience of God's presence. 
I add walk in the woods. You yes. know, I've had people tell me that the woods is my church. And I Absolutely. say, then that's where you need to be on Sunday morning. You don't need to be here. You need to be there. And yeah. That's where you're finding the spirit. Be creative, you know, and let it be wordless. I think you've mm. touched on that too. Let it be wordless. Don't get stuck on the words. Yeah, absolutely. Good advice. Well, as always, we have an affirmation for you. And our affirmation today is this. In times of quiet prayer and contemplation, I come to know a higher power of my own understanding. And once again, in times of quiet prayer and contemplation, I come to know a higher power of my own understanding. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery, and we're grateful that you have. We hope that you have found something in all of our yakking today, and there was a lot of yakking, at least for me, that will be genuinely helpful to you in your recovery. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, as always, for our discussion, and thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. Yes, and listeners, you can always connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Drop us your comments and feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And please, whatever you do, don't drink like my (laughs) co-host. Instead, have yourself a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.